Hello, everyone, and welcome into season two now of Talking Schmidt. It's a little bit different. There's a new look to it. Um, I've upgraded to using Zoom so I can get a few more people in to talk. Uh, as normal, if you see to my side over here, I'm bringing in uh, a guy who normally joined me for our Schmidt break. But, uh, you know, we got to make sure we get Justin his airtime here. So, Justin, welcome in, man, to Talking Schmidt. Thank you. Pleasure as always, Ethan. And then underneath us here, uh, we did a lot of those shows where we were doing a lot of pick'em things over the uh, for about five or six weeks until uh, we got into a, a hectic point in the year, and I, you know, had to take a break. Whatever it was, we can just blame that on me. But Cody, my brother, joining me as well. Uh, Cody, what's going on, man? Good morning, Schmidt heads. That's one way to go with it. All right, guys. So uh, talking Schmidt, a little bit different from all the other things that I tried to do with our media. Obviously, this is the podcast show that we were doing. At one point, I was trying to crash out about two podcasts a week. It's going to be a little bit different. I, I kind of went back. I soul searched for a little bit. And I wanted to talk about things that I want to talk about, things that could actually I feel uh, that it wasn't just like a sports talk. It was more so of, you know, showing off sports knowledge what made us sports fans to begin with and I had a kind of soul search for that moment of of what made me want to do sports broadcasting in the beginning which was things that I want to talk about what I want to talk about I want to talk about what you guys want to talk about that's what I feel is going to drive the new season and hopefully the seasons beyond of, of talking Schmidt that and hopefully getting sponsors fair enough more so the latter right <laughs> I right. mean yeah <laughs> There's a saying about money and talking and all that stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into it, guys. Uh, we are, we're getting set today, actually. Uh, this podcast will drop today and about an hour from when we're recording this or two hours now from when we're recording this. We have the greatest weekend ever of NFL football because we have six games in two days of NFL football and we're starting off with the uh, the now what is it the super wild card weekend is what they're calling it the first time ever we have seven teams in the playoffs so Justin I'm gonna start with you because I know I see the hat that you have on and I know this but uh, one of the greatest wild card moments ever that happened actually happened uh, for the team that you are a huge fan of go ahead and, and I'll have you start it off for me man. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the greatest memories of uh, probably in the history of the NFL on Wild Card Weekend in particular uh, is the Music City Miracle. I mean, 21 years ago yesterday, um, I mean, I remember watching it uh, in my parents' den. I think I was nine or ten years old at the time. Uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, you could see the stadium just empty and out. The announcers had wrote it in. Uh, and again, I was watching on TV, but probably one of the most memorable things, of course, watching that highlight, they tied in one of the one of the greatest radio broadcasters of all time. Uh, Mike Keith and his call is just unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I don't know how old he was at the time, but I mean, good Lord, that was 21 years ago. Mike Keith is still going strong. Voice sounds the same. Uh, <clears throat> so I don't I mean, I think his call is just as memorable as the play. Uh, just being able to watch that. And they went on a heck of a run. That team was about a year early on that run. Uh, couldn't capitalize that following year. Uh, but nonetheless, man, a great play. Uh, just a really, really special time for the Titans franchise. Uh, you know, just glad to see them get things rolling in the right direction now. Yeah, my greatest wild card moment. I, I remember the Music City Miracle. I think it's one of the greatest. Mike Keith is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I've had the opportunity to meet him. He, he's just 
a great all around broadcaster in person. Um, he's, he's really fun to get a chance to talk about his knowledge in sports. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think if you take away the TV broadcast and you just throw on the radio over the top of it, it it's definitely one of the most uh, rememberable moments in NFL history. Well, for football fans, if you're a true fan of the game, the best way to watch a game, and it's tough because they don't necessarily line up. Radio is a lot quicker than TV. There's quite a bit of a delay on TV, especially for those of us that are millennials or Gen Zs. Uh, we stream now. Uh, you know, a lot of us stream with our parents' passwords. Uh, you know, we even have our own mortgages, but here we are using our parents' passwords to stream TV. And uh, so, I, I, there's a big rat on you right there, Ethan. Uh, <laughs> but so nonetheless, uh, <laughs> so nonetheless, anyway, so, you know, it, it's a quite a bit of delay, uh, but if you can get it timed up really good, uh, I think one of the best ways to enjoy a football game is to listen to the radio broadcast uh, and then watch it as well. Uh, and if you're a fan like me, uh, it's a lot easier that way because you can hear the call, then you get to watch it. Uh, so if it's a good play, you're super excited. If it's a bad play, you've already had some time to get over it. <laughs> well, Justin, Justin mentioning, uh, he, he never knew this. When we would do the podcast all the time because we just did the phone call without the Zoom and the video element to it, uh, the cats were in here all the time, man. They're, they're always <laughs> – they're always jumping on things. I was having to hold the desk so they wouldn't move it too much when I was trying to talk to you. So, I mean, that happens all the time. Cody was aware of it when we were doing the Pick'em show. But uh, for me, one of the moments I have as a big Packers fan, I'll never forget it. It just it made me it made me hate slash love Matt Hasselback more than any player in the NFL history. Uh I love Matt Hasselbeck because I love confidence. I think that's one of the greatest keys that you can have as an athlete or as anything. Uh, but I hated it because it was against Green Bay uh, when he called the infamous, uh, we want the ball first because we're going to win. We're going to score and win. And then he ends up throwing the pick six in overtime in 2003. It's just, it's an amazing moment. Uh, and it's just one of those moments when you watch him walk off the field, just like, dang, I can't believe that happened. <laughs> I mean, obviously he rebounded well, yes. but uh, no, nonetheless, yeah. I mean, that, that is super memorable. Uh, you know, Al Harris out there on the corner, just first snap and overtime, he, he just completely made a grown man play and took that ball back the other direction. So that, that's a really good, that, that was a great game between two really, really good teams. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I think Hasselbeck bounced back well, but yeah, you got to love the confidence on that. Absolutely. Cody, you got a wild card moment that you remember. You're about three years older than us, too, so you might have one before Justin and I were even really thinking about football. Yeah, I mean, Cody, oh. may, Cody may talk about the Montana days here, guys. I'll better buckle up. <laughs> well, I'm surprised, Ethan, that you wouldn't think this would be my go-to. You know, I'm all set the table here for this one. 1994, Steve Young does it. He finally wins the Super Bowl. He gets out of Montana's shadow. But then for like the next four years, this Mississippi boy goes up to Wisconsin and every single year, the 49ers playoff runs would end against the Packers until 1999, January 3rd, Steve Young hits Terrell Owens with eight seconds left to beat the Packers 30 to 27 at Candlestick Park. That, that, that finally happened. I was so frustrated as a kid because every year, Ethan would just make fun of me. He'd be, he'd had the bragging rights for like four straight years. But uh, after that, you know, of course, the Packers and 49ers, the story as both franchises are, uh, they only started meeting in the playoffs until like the mid-90s. And now it's, it's fairly even. It's like last year, NFC Championship game, we worked over Aaron Rodgers pretty well. This year we took a break from football. So uh, 
next year we'll be back and ready to go. Yeah, San Francisco has to get a little healthy before they can do uh, anything. They got to keep an entire healthy roster out there before they can uh, get back into that playoff form. Definitely a tough division that they're in right now as well. In that uh, to, to be to be fair to San Francisco, their city did quit playing football this year. So, in all, in all <laughs> fairness to them, I mean, the entire state playing games in Arizona now. That is also true. All right, guys, the next topic I have for us is we're going to go through and kind of look at uh, the playoff teams. Uh, we'll start from the one seed and work down to the seven seeds and NFC, AFC. Um, and we're going to look at one player that we feel on offense and defense could make that team be a Super Bowl contender this year. Uh, it's an alumni player um, that could do it. Luckily, the Patriots didn't make it, so we didn't have to say taking Tom Brady away from the Bucks <laughs> to play for the Patriots. Uh but uh, I'm going to start off with it since it is Green Bay as the number one seed in the NFC. I'll start with that. My picks for Green Bay, and I, and I feel like these will probably be pretty similar. On offense, I was going to say Jordy Nelson, uh, and on defense, Reggie White. Main reason for Jordy Nelson is because, you know, if, if Aaron Rodgers had another go-to automatic receiver like Jordy across from Devontae Adams, and he, was, and he had a big playmaker like that, that's what we were hoping they were going to do in the draft anyway with Justin Jefferson, but it didn't fall that way. And then on defense, Reggie White, is there a better defensive end? Really? Uh, we might mention one other guy that is, is talked about with him on this list, but there's no better defensive player than Reggie White uh, and what he meant to Green Bay when they won the Super Bowl in 96. So those are my two guys. And then, you know, you guys can go off that. What do you think? Uh, Justin, we'll start with you, Green Bay offense, defensive player. Who would you add there to him? Well, originally I was going to add Brett Favre, uh, but since Aaron Rodgers uh, donated 500000 to Portnoy's Barstool Fund, uh, I'm going to cut him some slack this week. Not going to replace him. He, he's going he's gonna to make it another week here. Uh, so, so we'll leave him. Uh, I'm going to go on and say probably going to agree with you there with Jordy Nelson. Uh, that'll give him another target out wide with uh, Adams there. Uh, and then probably, I don't see how you can go Reggie White. You know, you might get sub in Al Harris to help that defensive back end out. Uh, but, you know, Reggie White, one of the all-time great defensive linemen, uh, especially here in, you know, the 90s and early 2000s. So, I, I think that's solid. And, Cody, what do you think about uh, who would you want to put on Green Bay, obviously, if, if you want to see them make a run? Yeah, it, it's tough because you have a storied franchise, and we could literally go back to the 50s and 60s with some of the greatest <laughs> names in the history of the league, you guys like Ray Nitschke. Uh, but, yeah, Reggie White, I mean, not just what he brought to the field physically, but what he brings to the locker room, the leadership that he had, the way that he could just build up his teammates and really get the best out of team and coaches alike. I mean, Mike Holmgren knew – that he needed Reggie White out there, not just because of physical presence he brings that defense, but the leadership he'd bring to, you know, at the time, a relatively young Packers squad. So uh, I would say, you know, maybe Charles Woodson that could boast most of the defensive backfield, but I'd definitely uh, go for Reggie. And then on offense, you know, Jordy's a good one, but driver, I think in the 2000 had some really clutch plate. So I don't think we can, he would, and he would really put his body on the line. I mean, he would take some nasty you know, hits but would still, you know, bounce back. And so I think maybe Driver would be a good one to have out there just because of his grit and his uh, tenacity. Cody, every University of Tennessee fan just cut it off right there. The minute you mentioned Charles Woodson, they clutched their pearls, cried Peyton Manning tears, 
and just turned it off. We're done. We, so we, we just lost the entire state of Tennessee on that one comment. Well, when we talk about Reggie White, though, I mean. Yeah, but they have such a disdain for Charles Woodson. You, you pretty much just ended any chance we had at retaining any University of Tennessee fan. Well, we're going to talk about the Colts, though, so I think that might save us just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, because I think we all know who who the Colts would need to bring back uh, instead of what, uh, nine... Edwin James. Okay, now we lost it. That's right. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to the AFC's top seed, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. On my list here, guys, I have uh, Priest Holmes, the running back who was uh, one of the most dominant running backs in Kansas City history. Uh, I feel like he'd be a great person that you could put in there in that offense right now and, and really make things happen. And then, of course, the leader in that linebacker core, Derek Thomas. I mean, he's, he's a fan favorite for years in Kansas City. Uh, he played almost his entire career there. Um, and was just very influential in Kansas City getting really a rebirth and, and regrowth. And, and he was there for the years where they were really bad. And he's been there for the years where they were starting to see success. Uh, he almost is, a, I would say, he almost has the Moses treatment. He didn't get the chance to make it to the promised land, but he's been a, a part of that organization. So if you could bring him back in his prime, I'm going to go Derek Thomas and Priest Holmes. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. I, I'm not going to give them – I'm not going to give the Chiefs a uh, an alumni on the offensive side of the ball because they just don't need it. Uh, uh, I think if you're going to do anything, you help them out on the defensive side of the ball, and you bring back Derek Thomas, and you, uh, you bring back – I don't know. You take your pick. I mean, uh, Eric Berry, uh, I mean, anybody that's going to help him out in that back end. Uh, but I, I think those are pretty good. I'm not giving them any help on the offensive side of the ball. They, they sure don't need it. Oh, I am. I think <laughs> you don't Joe Montana. <laughs> if, uh, no, no, no. I, I'd say Tony Gonzalez. If you had yeah. Tony Gonzalez oh, and dear Lord. Kelsey out there together, that would be, that'd be, that'd be ultimately unfair. It'd be sickening. You know, that Tony Gonzalez in his prime, with Patrick Mahomes, that would be fun to watch as long as they weren't playing the 49ers again. But uh, I definitely have to go up Derek Thomas. I don't think how, you know, especially more recent, uh, more modern era football, like, you know, as you guys had said, he was just the bulwark of that team and stuck with them through thick and thin. And it was one of the highlights for him when they had some you know down years and struggled, as Tony Gonzalez was too. So I think if they had those two on the team right now, they're going ahead and go, they're going back to back. All right, guys, let's move into the two seeds here. We have the Saints and the Bills. We'll start with the Saints. Uh, there's a lot of players that you could put in here with the Saints. I, I mean, you think of a lot of great running backs, but they really don't need that because Alvin Kamara is kind of that catch-all, be-all. I thought about a, a wide receiver like Marquise Colston, who was there in the early years with Drew Brees. But I, I went with Willie Rofe. I, I feel like that's a, a name on that offensive line that you could definitely put in there, and he would be able to really make something happen for Drew Brees right now. And also, you could run behind him. He's going to pass block well for you. And then on defense, I went up front with Leroy Glover, an older name, but a, a definitely a dominant defensive tackle up front. And, and I know you guys look at me, and I just went with two linemen, so you have to give me some sort of love because I'm talking to two linemen. So give me something here on the Saints. You got to say, hey, that's, oh, yeah. that's two good picks there, man. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll give it to you. But that's just because I'm going to say something later that I'm going to need forgiveness on. <laughs> oh. All right, Justin, who do you have for the Saints? Who would you want to see Drew Brees get a chance to work with here? Man, I – I don't know. I mean, it's it's so tough. I mean, you know, you, you've had Henderson, and like you said, you, you know, Golson in, in the past playing wide receiver for him. It's hard to think that they need any wall, offensive weapons. Uh, 
But, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to, instead of giving them a player, uh, I'm going to help their defense out just a little bit. Uh, Give Sean Payton somebody to look up to and just bring back Ditka (laughs) on the sidelines just because I would like to see him out there uh, on the sidelines with Sean Payton and see what those two geniuses could mastermind for. Cody, what are you thinking about down in in New Orleans? I think you you need some grit. You need some you need some anger. You know, they had some. Uh, they've had you know maybe picked down a little bit. I, I really ever since Bounty Gate, I think like what oh, happened to the Saints, the league kind of turns the eyes saying, "Well, yeah, you kind of deserve it." So I think you bring back some badasses. I'm gonna go on offense, Kyle Turley. You know, that's my favorite players growing up. Turley is just he's a savage. You know, if you're going to try to go after Drew Brees and take shots at him, good luck because Turley's going to be on you and he's going to tear you apart. And on defense, I'm going to bring back the Mr. Bounty Gate himself, uh, Jonathan Bilma. I think with his prime, great career in New York and New Orleans, but definitely he came of age in New Orleans. Unfortunately, the, the scandal and injuries cut, you know, what would have been a, almost a Ray Lewis type career short. Uh, but I think if you had Bill in his prime and Turley in his prime on that team, then they are going to make a really good push in the playoffs. Have you seen Vilma recently? I think he's, he's an analyst. I, yeah, he's an he's he's NFL analyst now, but he looks like he could still get out there and play. He's probably I mean, better now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Dude looks like he's in great shape. All right, we'll better go than Maurice Jones Drew, that's for sure. I mean, he. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Give an MJ. <laughs> well, he just turned us off in his car. That's true. Yeah, that's that's he was our number one supporter. Um, we're not gonna get any funding there from MJD. <laughs> we'll talk about the Buffalo Bills. Uh Cody brought up a really good point. I feel like one thing that Buffalo is missing is a running back game, uh, which would be if you look at their running backs, you have guys like Thurman <laughs> Thomas who would be out there that you could put in there. I have Andre Reed down there be just because of his success that he had in the nineties and just never really getting there, you know, Buffalo never really getting there, but giving Josh Allen, a guy like Andre Reed to throw to. And then on defense, I, I think the name is uh, unanimous here. It's going to be Bruce Smith. I mean, he's one, he's the leading sacker in NFL history. I just don't think that you go with anybody besides Bruce Smith on that defense um, in the history of Buffalo. That, that's just the guy that you'd want to bring out. So I'm going to go off the reservation again, because I just think rules are made to be broken. Uh, but uh, I'm going to go with on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to bring back Jim Kelly. Uh, Cause uh, I think this is the best chance Buffalo's got to win a Super Bowl right now. Uh, I'd like to see him win one. So I'm going to bring him back so he can get a ring. Uh, and just for the sake of entertainment value alone, uh, I'm going to bring back OJ Simpson at running back, give him a little bit of help there. Uh, <clears throat> just because I think that would be very entertaining. I mean, Mike Tyson's getting back into the ring. Uh, so why not bring OJ back on the field? Uh, so I think you bring OJ back and bring Kelly back to help get him a ring. Cody, I, I think Justin might have stole your pick here. Man, he stole my thunder on that one. <laughs> Look, you know, controversy uh, out, out outside the field issues aside, you know, OJ was, I think, pretty sure you guys can fact check me. You may or may not fact check me on this. Was the first NFL running back to reach 2,000 yards in a season. And uh, a short season at that. Yeah, it's like, what, a 14 game, 12 or 14 games back then. And, you know, to do that and just that sort of grit and toughness that he had, very – and we're, we're seeing that that isn't a dying art in the NFL. I mean, the Titans have shown that you can still have a power run game and be successful. And um, 
So I like that. I mean, Thurman Thomas, obviously more recent, you know, uh, was part of those runs in the nineties would be a good pick. Hey, I, I go Bruce Smith too. Uh, 200 career sacks, you know, him and Reggie White were you know very much uh, comparable to each other. Um, and we're both very, very great at what they did and pass rushing as you know, Titans fans can attest to is still a very important <laughs> part of the game. And so I feel like if you can, you know, not necessarily even get sacks, but if you can put pressure on a quarterback, then you can really control the the, the flow of the game and ultimately win the game. All right, let's go ahead and move in now to the Seahawks and the Steelers, our three seeds. Seahawks, it's easy, man. You're bringing back Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. There's no other person that you'd want to see on that offense get out there with Russell Wilson. Uh, I mean, maybe Sean Alexander, but I think the entertainment factor of a, a healthy beast mode is the answer you want there. Defensively, I put a guy like Cam Chancellor. I thought he was kind of one of the biggest uh, just names in that secondary. I know Richard Sherman talked a lot, so I felt like he got a lot of that media attention. Um Earl Thomas right now, he's probably still running from his, his wife somewhere. Um, but Cam Chancellor, man, he was the guy I feel in that secondary. He's very aggressive, very tough. I'm going to take Cam Chancellor and Marshawn Lynch. Those are good picks as always. You know, as Earl Thomas has told us, stuff happens, bro. Uh, so you can't <laughs> control that. Uh, I'm going to bring back Marcus Trufant. They need a little a bit of help in that secondary. Uh, and then again, I, on the offensive side, I don't see how you don't bring back – Marshawn Lynch. Uh, I mean, the, the only the, here's the sticker: if you bring back Marshawn Lynch, you have to hand him the daggum ball. Uh, that's one stipulation I'll add. Uh, but him and Marcus Trufant, they, that makes that a much better Seattle team. Oh, uh, Seattle! Yeah, with the, there's almost like two Seahawks teams. You have the one from the '70s and '80s that a lot of Seahawks fans know nothing about. And then you have, of course, the more modern team that a lot of Seahawks fans are fans of. That's fine. I get it. You know, do your own thing. I really don't care for the Seahawks for obvious reasons. But I would like to see Brian Bosworth out there and get a, get a, get a redemption. Uh, his you know, NFL career is more of a bust. But uh, the Boz, man, he, he was entertaining. He was, he was very innovative, too. And he was doing things before anybody else was doing them. Uh, he was and, doing a lot of things other people weren't doing before they were doing them, if you know what I'm saying. Was, oh, yeah, he was born in the wrong <laughs> age. He should have been born in today's age with social media and that constant, you know, new stream and uh, stream yeah. of conscience. He would have – this was his era. So, to have, like, Boz in his prime on that Seahawks defense just for the sheer entertainment value alone. Yeah, Boz, Boz and OJ both getting re redemption early on here. This is going to be good. <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. I, we need to make sure that we put a caveat on here. Please don't turn us off yet. There's going to be great information as we go along. <laughs> the boss is a we good still have to get now. the pickings, man. Great guy now. Uh, let's go on with the Steelers. Uh, Heinz Ward for me, obviously a, kind of a no-brainer on that that offense. Ben Roethlisberger is still there, so you can't say him. Um, and you're not going to bring back Terry Bradshaw because we're trying to win all of his money. Um, Heinz Ward, <laughs> my, my offensive guy, Troy Palomalo, my defensive guy. Is there – I mean, you, and that's the thing. It's hard on the defense now because you got to think there's steel curtain, all that that you could bring back. But I feel that if you have Troy Palomalu back, uh, just kind of on those runs with that we saw in the 2000s with the Steelers, like Troy was the guy. He's tough as nails. Uh, I would, I mean, if you guys say any like Jack Lambert, any of those guys, I agree with you. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But definitely for me, if I'm bringing back somebody, I'm bringing back Troy Palomalu on that defense. Yeah, I mean those those are great picks. Um, I mean, I don't see how you can't look back at the Steelers organization and their history and not find just 
and a stud stacked, you know, list of guys. Uh, but I think on the offense side of the ball, you got to go with Jerome Bettis. Uh, I mean, anytime you can put an offensive guard in the backfield and hand him the ball, <laughs> you know, that's a plus for your team. Uh, and then Joey Porter on the defensive side of the ball. I think Joey Porter's super underrated just because there's so many Steeler greats out there. I don't think he gets kind of the respect that he deserves. Uh, but he, he was a great middle, inside linebacker in the NFL. Uh, and I would definitely bring him back. We know that Steelers defense, besides their edge rush, can use a little bit of help. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough. You have one of the storied franchises in NFL history. Uh, Jerome Bettis was one that I was thinking. But since you know, Ben Roethlisberger has had you know injury issues, could have some issues like that in the postseason. We're gonna get the get the proverbial backup quarterback that could come in the clutch for you, Neil O'Donnell. You know, send him <laughs> out there. Ben gets hurt, he can just come right in and starts. You know, he'll do. He he won't do anything. You know, great, but he'll do enough to keep you winning. And uh, as far as defense goes, yeah, I, I gotta go with Mean Joe Green. Yeah, one of the guys who really just revolutionized pass rush. I'm pretty sure he played at a time when they didn't keep stats on sacks, so no telling how many sacks the guy actually had in his career. But uh, definitely, you know, someone that's you know he plays the position well. And he plays it with aggression and tenacity, and it's going to put fear in the quarterbacks across from him. Cody, you I, thought you, I, I thought you were going to say uh, go a different direction. I thought you were going to say Cordell Seward for a minute, Cody. So I'm, I'm <laughs> glad you went a different direction there. <laughs> I, I didn't know Cody's bringing back Neil O'Donnell. I think he's going to bring back Bernie Kosar when we get to the Browns now, too. Holy I, I'm not considering it. <laughs> <laughs> he could use that playoff check right about now. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our uh, four seeds, an area that we want to start. We'll start with Washington, and then we'll go to Tennessee. Uh, Washington, I picked Doug Williams, man. I, I don't see – he's the MVP of the, the Redskins Super Bowl back in the in the early 90s. Doug Williams was a, a talented quarterback. And then, of course, uh, bring back the late Sean Taylor. I, I just want to – my biggest thing is I feel we've been robbed all of our entire lives that we have not been able to see Sean Taylor continue to play football from what we got to see in just the few years that he was with Washington. Um, those are my two picks. And I feel like, you know, the Sean Taylor pick is just, I feel that uh, we were robbed of an, uh, of what could have been the greatest safety to ever play the game. hundred percent. I don't see how you can pick anybody else to help on the defense side of the ball other than Sean Taylor, just for the simple fact, like you said, just to see more out of him and what he could do. Like you said, what he accomplished at Miami and, and plus his early, you know, time with uh, the Washington football team. Um, you have to go with him. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see any other way around it. He was such a special player, uh, and, and to lose him that early was definitely a loss for the game. Uh, so I, I think you definitely go with him. Uh, and, and I'm going to go with another one who, who didn't really spend his entire career in Washington, uh, but I'm going to go with Clinton Portis. Uh, just because I'd like to see him run the ball again uh, with the way the offensive lines have improved the blocking scheme, the offensive changes. Uh, I'd like to see him in the backfield one more time. And not to mention Clinton Portis. I mean, you look at the, how the way the NBA players uh, dress on their way into games, Clinton Portis started that, man. What, he, what was, he, he, was, he was ahead now? of his time. Ahead <laughs> of his time. He was doing Cam Newton before Cam, but Cam Newton was still in elementary school. Uh, Clinton Portis is one I thought of. Sean Taylor, obviously one I thought of. But uh, going a little bit more old school, kind of my theme here, the more of the gritty, tough guys. Offense, John Riggins, yeah. one, of my, one of my favorite players of all time. You know, the diesel, you know, get him out there. Just a tough guy, really just loved playing football. I think he just enjoyed the game. 
And, uh, of course, he was part of the last great Redskins dynasty where they were winning Super Bowls in the 80s. And uh, de- defense, same. Sean Taylor was tragic, great career. He can do so much for you. He can do pass. You know, he can do – he does coverage really well. He can you – know, he's aggressive. He can get after guys. He can lay a hit on guys. I mean, he had no issues of just laying someone out. Uh, so I think you definitely look at Sean Taylor, maybe LeVar Arrington also from that oh, era, that's a good one. who uh, you know, really was just an unsung hero for that, that team. Well, so, until, he, until he ruined Albert Hainsworth's career with that terrible defense Shanahan wanted to play where you use one of the greatest D tackles of all time to fill a hole so LeVar Arrington can make a play. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still a little salty over the way his career went. Yeah, we can tell. And speaking of where his career went, let's go where his career started. We're on to the Tennessee Titans. I have two guys on here. Um, I'm going defense and offensive line again. I, I feel like that's a big move for me here. I'm going with Bruce Matthews. Uh, I just feel Bruce Matthews, when you think of Tennessee football and you think of those teams, uh, the, the Oiler teams before they came over to Tennessee, Bruce Matthews was the guy. Um, he's on the side of the dang stadium for a reason. I mean, he's one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever played the game. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. I got Bruce Matthews on there. And then, of course, we all know the Titans need a pass rush. We know that. We can say that a million times, and every Titans fan is going to agree. Javon Curse is the answer on that defensive line at this point. A healthy Javon Curse in his prime is getting <laughs> back there, and he's going to make he would make Lamar Jackson's world miserable in this first week of uh, of the wild card. Yeah, I mean, you I, again. I'm going to break the rules here uh, because the Titans have a great offense. They don't need any help. I mean, just look at the numbers and what Arthur Smith has done this year. They don't need help on the offensive side of the ball. They're good. Uh, but the defensive side, they need some help. And they need to be they need to be able to get after the daggum quarterback. They just can't do it. They can't get off the field on third downs. And so they need help. And, uh, you know, so you bring back one of the best all-time pass rushers in Javon Kirks. I mean, the guy was a pioneer. His hands were, you know – the size of the hood of a car. I mean, dude was great. And then also, you know, you get him some help right there in that linebacking core and somebody else who knows how to get off the quarterback and Keith Bullock. I don't see how you don't bring him back. Uh, it was a travesty the way his career ended with Tennessee having to go to the, you know, New York for what seemed like four games. But, uh, you know, I see you bring him back, give you some help on that defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, if you, you add, if you add curse, Hainsworth, Bullock, you know, Dyson, you had any of those guys off of that defense, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s to this team today. And, I mean, you're talking about a team that could do some damage in the playoffs and probably win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you'd need a lot of defensive help. I, I think we all know that for the Titans so far this year. Cody, what are you thinking? About the same. I mean, there are so many great Oilers and Titans with Earl Campbell, Warren Moon, Steve McNair, Derek Mason. I'd say on offense, if you could put Derek Mason out there with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis and Johnny Smith, that would be very interesting. Uh, just in that slot role. You wouldn't have to do much at all, but, I mean, it's really going to have to keep defensive backfields honest. Uh, of course, with, like, Fred Hopkins and Bruce Matthews, those are some good ones to, you know, for consideration just to bolster the offensive line. Which honestly has done really well, considering their their star player on that unit has spent the entire season injured. Um, and then on defense, definitely pass rush is an, is critical. Uh, you know, Javon Kirsch would be great. Albert Hainsworth would be great. Uh, Keith Bullock would be great. 
you know, Samori rolled that in that defensive backfield. I mean, Deshaun Watson was having a you know, field day just throwing that ball downfield last week. And so you got guys like Samari Roll out there and Blaine Bishop. You probably wouldn't have that happening with those two in their prime. So, you know, sorry, Titans fans, but uh, that defense wins championships. I mean, that's that's got to be the 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 big uh, – depending on how however the season goes, you got to look into bolstering that defense next year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Justin was shaking his head a little. You guys can't see it, obviously. We can see it We're on Zoom here. Justin was shaking his head about the defense wins championships. What do you think, man? You don't think that's I mean, a snake? I mean, ask Nick Saban if defenses win championships anymore. <laughs> I mean, the man's putting up, you know, 40-plus points a game. I mean, he understands where the game's going. It's uh, When the game starts right after the coin flip, uh, that's why the coin flip is so important now and the time that you score in is so important now um, is because the person who gets the ball the most is going to win, especially when you're looking at the offenses like the Chiefs have, like the Titans have. You know, they've sold out on these offenses and they're just trying to score as many points as possible. Uh, you know, so pretty much the games now come down to some some one or two key special teams plays where you catch a break, uh, one or two, you know, kind of what you would call luck plays on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, like kind of like Cunningham's, you know, strip on Derrick Henry where he just no look, throws his hand, strips the ball. Uh, so the key now is to try to capitalize on one or two plays on the defensive side of the ball, one or two plays on special teams, and every time your offense touches the ball, score points. So I, I don't think defense wins championships anymore. I mean, I think they can help you, but you just need to have a middle of the road defense that can make some opportunistic plays when they need to, uh, to change the pace of the game and an offense that puts points up just out of this world. AFC divisional last year, Houston versus Kansas city. Houston's up 21, nothing. Patrick Mahomes pulls it 24, 21 before the half. So I mean, that just kind of shows you the explosiveness of the, and the granted the defense had to do something, but I mean, you get a you get Deshaun Watson a little confused, like Justin was saying, and keep Patrick Mahomes in any football game, and and that's a that's a recipe for disaster. Let's go ahead and move on here to our five seeds. Uh, the Buccaneers are one of those, and the Ravens are the other one. For the Buccaneers, man, a fullback makes a list, man. How about Mike Allstott in the backfield with Tom Brady and uh, blocking for Ronald Jones or whoever, just handing off to Mike Allstott to begin with. I thought about a guy by the name of Joe Jaravicious, but I just don't think that they need the receiver help uh, picking up uh, Antonio Brown, already having Mike Evans and some of the other role players they have. I went with Allstott. And then, of course, on defense, there's a lot of good names you could have had here, Rondé Barber, guys like that in the secondary. But I went with Derek Brooks because Derek Brooks was the leader on that team when they won the Super Bowl. It just seems smart to kind of stick with him as well, uh, again, in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, those, those are great players. I, I don't see how you pick an historic player for the Bucks defense and leave off Warren Sapp. Even Derek Brooks, I mean, I, I mean, he was great. Warren Sapp's a monster. You put him next to Ndamukong Sue on the defensive line, it's it's going to be a tough day for anybody in the NFC. Uh, and then on the you know offensive side of the ball, I know they are just stacked with weapons. Uh, but because of some changes late, especially with Mike Evans' health issues, you got to bring back Keyshawn Johnson, and hopefully he can play better than he performs on ESPN Radio. Oh man, <laughs> Keyshawn just turned us off as well. Oh man, yeah. Well, yeah, Keyshawn's definitely a great one. Uh, I, obviously, Mike Allstott was a favorite, a childhood favorite of mine. The guy was just—he literally was a tank out there with with the shoulder pads. That you know, you, you were going to get a guaranteed five yards 
it was almost as like a cheat code. If it was like third and third and short, third the third and five, the Buccaneers are going to get a first down. And it was an old school sort of you know play the Tampa two defense and just pound the rock kind of you know offense that really made Tony Dungy the you know success that he ended up becoming. Uh, maybe a change of pace back, you know, Cadillac Williams, who was uh, you know Auburn grade. You have like a, a quarterback like Tom Brady there that could just get the ball to him in different ways. Would be maybe interesting to see uh, to see how he could be a little bit more shifty. Maybe Brady would be able to utilize him a little bit more. So that was one that I was thinking about too. Not that they necessarily need help there, but yeah, he, he could be like in that Deion Lewis role that uh, Brady had in New England. And uh, yeah, on defense, I gosh, you know, I, as much as John Lynch, you know. GM for the 49ers. We had a chance to meet him. You know, we were younger out there in the Bay. Great guy. I got to go with Justin on this. Uh, Warren Sapp just kind of – I think he showed that defensive linemen can be more than just some big big guy. I mean, Sapp, for as big as he was, was so athletic, and he raised the bar. I mean, Vince Wilfork was kind of like the, the protege to him, and that really did change the way that, you know, we looked at defensive tackles and nose tackles in particular – not just some big guy that clogs up the middle of the field, but somebody can actually make some plays. Yeah, well, he, he's one of those generational players that make it fun to play a non-traditional position. Uh, you know, not everybody – and, again, the guys in the NFL, super talented, best of the best of the absolute best. Uh, but when you look at positions outside of, like, you know, flashy seal positions uh, and you really start to talk about the trenches, you know, guys like, you know, Mike Munchak, Bruce Matthews, Warren Sapp, Vince Wolford, they made it cool to play those positions. You know, they made it gloryful to play those positions, and guys didn't mind to do it, uh, where before you, you just didn't get any recognitions. And those guys really made it fun. You know, you started to see a lot more number 90s with Javon Curse, a lot more 99s with Warren Sapp, and those guys really made it fun to play those, you know, really those guys that really don't get any attention. They made it fun to play it. And plus, I heard Warren Sapp needs another Super Bowl ring. Something happened to his, so <laughs> – all right, let's go ahead and move on to the Ravens. Uh, I went with two Lewises on this one, Jamal and Ray. Uh, Jamal Lewis in that backfield with J.K. Dobbins uh, would be fun to watch. Uh, obviously, J.K. Dobbins' role would be very less because Jamal Lewis was such a workhorse. Um, but obviously on defense, uh, you, you might have Ed Reed's name in here as well. But I, I just don't – if you look at the Ravens' defense and when you think of the Ravens' defense, the name Ray Lewis doesn't – uh, just kind of pop into your head first. I, 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 don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, so that's what I went with. I went with Jamal Lewis and Ray Lewis for the Ravens. Yeah, I'm not bringing anybody back for the Ravens. I have nothing but disdain for the Ravens. I can't stand them. Uh, they haunted my early 2000s years of my childhood, uh, both in Baltimore and here locally in Nashville. I, I could care less. I mean, if, if you're going to bring anybody back, bring back Dilfer, let him play quarterback for him, uh, just because that's an absolute – you know what shows. So I'm not bringing anybody back for him because uh, I just don't like the Ravens. Well, Dilfer's already in Nashville, so we're good there. Well, good. He can go out there and play from replace from Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Great guy. Oh. Terrible quarterback. <laughs> good for him for getting the Super Bowl. But uh, He almost won a state championship this year, man. Yeah, you? yeah. I mean, obviously a better coach than player. Oh, man. That, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore is thinking that this is a franchise that existed throughout their entire time. Like they started, left Cleveland in the mid '90s, so like their whole frame, their whole good, history. Good move for them. Lot. Oh, it definitely, definitely. Mm. Oh, just to be for the sake of being different, and I, I'm going to kind of counter myself from the just the last thing I said. 
Tony Saragusa. Oh, great. Yeah. I know, I'm going to bring Tony Saragusa on that defense just because the goose, man, he, he's going to take up half the offensive line is just going to be holding him. And that brings ben, up a ben lot Jones of linebackers. Ben Jones would have a busy day. <laughs> They're just going to be able to have some plays, man. So, I mean, of course, there's other great you, – you could say Terrell Suggs, uh, Ray Lewis, obviously, and Ed Reed. But uh, I'd like to see Tony Saragusa out there just once again for the sheer entertainment value. And, you know, he may not have been, like, the most talented guy, but he he's going to take out your offensive line. One player takes out your entire blocking regime by just existing. And then on offense, you know, Jamal Lewis was one that I was really thinking about. Uh, when Jamal Lewis showed up, when he was when he was on, he was, there was really nobody better. Another 2,000-yard rusher. Except for Eddie George. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just uh, Todd Heap is someone else I thought about, you know, just a, kind of a – a, you know, tough tight end for him. You know, it was a fan favorite there. And, uh, you know, tight end, a really good tight end makes a big difference as we've seen with, like, Kansas City. Uh, New England, of course, I feel, feel really kind of pioneered and made that position very important the last couple of years. So, I uh, definitely say heap on offense. Is Tony Saragusa, uh, Tony Saragusa going to be on the sidelines as the uh, broadcaster in this one? That'd be fun. Oh, pro- more than likely. Did he not die? No, Syracuse. Oh, I thought he was dead. <laughs> no, well, the the goose is riding around in his car right now, and he just shut us off because we're like, is he dead or not? So. Oh my gosh! Oh, let's go ahead. And all right, all right. I just checked. He's not dead. My no, he's bad. not. I don't, he's know not dead. I don't know. Maybe I was thinking about the guy that Ray Lewis ran into in Atlanta. So. Oh my gosh! Uh, now we're really canceled. Let's was, go ahead. Self defense. Jump in Rams versus yeah, Rams okay. and Browns. Our next teams for the Rams. Uh, the the easy choice here. I think you could always say a guy um, along the lines of Marshall Falk, but with recent injuries to Jared Goff's hand. Um, <laughs> and you want to win a Super Bowl, you're going to have to bring back Kurt Warner because I don't know if you guys have watched any of the Rams games thus far uh, in these last two weeks when they're trying to make the playoffs or not, but they can't move the ball on offense at all whatsoever. It's it's pitiful, and they have a pretty decent receiver core for them not to be able to move the ball. Um, and then they have the, the, the backup uh, insurance salesman as their quarterback or whatever he is. Uh, so if I'm going to bring back anybody right now for the Rams – it's going to have to be Kurt Warner. Um, and then on defense, I'm bringing back Grant Wistrom just because I always liked Grant Wistrom. I thought he was a, a very talented uh, guy that kind of was maybe not under radar, but definitely when you had guys like Leonard Little and stuff out there, you kind of forgot how dominant Grant Wistrom actually was. Also, he's a Web City product from Web City High School. So um, another guy that I would want to bring back would be Grant Wistrom. Obviously, Ethan is running the fan page for Jared Goff right now because he said because of the injury to the hand. Uh, with or, I would take I would take Kurt Warner over Jared Goff without a left hand on Kurt Warner, uh, and maybe his right hand. Maybe Kurt Warner with no hands is better than Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff is not that great. Uh, I think he's got a coach that made him and Sean McVay made him look really good. Um, but uh, I, you have to bring back Kurt Warner. That offense is struggling right now. They need a boost, uh, you know, and, and Kurt, you know, still in pretty good shape. So I think I still think he could get out there and I'll play Jared Goff. But, you know, yeah. I mean, we're not we're not going to get into that right now. Uh, and then on the defensive side, uh, I think for the Rams, uh, you bring back Mike Jones. And the only reason I say that is because I just want somebody to lay his ass out on the field. Uh, I still just have total, total just – I hate to say hatred because that's such a strong word. Uh, 
but I really dislike Mike Jones. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Mike Jones tackled Kevin Dyson supposedly a yard short uh, in the 2000 Super Bowl uh, against the Rams. So supposedly a yard short. Again, uh, yeah, I think video proof. You know, we'll, we'll have to dig into that. But apparently, he was a yard short. It looked to me like the ball crossed the goal line. Maybe if we would have had, uh, you know, pile on cams, then the Titans are Super Bowl champions. But I, I just want to see somebody lay his ass out. That's all I reason I say bring him back. Cody, you grew up uh, in St. Louis. That that was a, a side team of yours, you know. Uh, I know that there's some love there for the Rams. What do you got it, here? It's another once again another storied franchise between Los Angeles and St. Louis with great players throughout the years. But I'm gonna go way back with probably the best pass rusher to ever play the game. Might get a few flags out there. Uh, I'm going with Deacon Jones. And for those of you that yeah, don't know, Deacon Jones is a bad, bad, bad man uh, on the field. Off the field, I heard he was a great guy. But on the field, there was, you know, some much they didn't keep sacks back in the 60s, but they were saying he's probably getting like 30 sacks a season, and those were like 12-game seasons. So he was just knocking people around. He'd bash linemen upside the head with a cast. He didn't have a broken hand or wrist. He just cast it up just so he could knock the offensive lineman around. And I think you put him and Aaron Donald together, that's a that's a filthy <laughs> defensive line. Uh, like I said, it might draw a few penalties, but you're definitely going to get into that offense's head and really make them very unproductive. Uh, offensively, you know, Kurt Warner, one of the greatest stories in the history of this sport. And I think what makes football very unique, too, is a story like Kurt Warner's. And I, I kind of agree with Justin. I, I kind of think he, if he wanted to, he could probably suit up and go out there and do a decent job. But I think when you do have mediocre to poor passing, if you have a very, very strong running game, uh, you, you can do pretty well. So I would say bring in Eric Dickerson, you know, someone like him who's just a very – very bold and brash and very effective runner. Could do a lot of good for that Los Angeles Rams offense right now. So we're saying that the Rams should just bring back Kurt Warner and get rid of the insurance salesman and the poor man's Ryan Gosling. No, keep, yeah, think, keep the insurance salesman and, and bring on Kurt Warner. Get rid of Jared Goff. <laughs> uh, looks at the common consensus. All right, guys, let's go ahead and move into uh, the Cleveland Browns. What helps out Baker Mayfield on offense? I, I say bring back the guy who just recently retired, Joe Thomas. Uh, Joe Thomas is is just the true and true. I mean, obviously, Jim Brown would be a name, but with the running back field you already have of Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt, I, I don't think running back's an issue here. But Joe Thomas would be uh, – he's been such a hero uh, in Cleveland. The, the fact that the man stayed there for as long as he did uh, is a big part of it. And then as long with that, I went with a guy on a defensive line in Jim Houston, who was a big name for him. I did not choose Clay Matthews Sr., so don't – you guys can't get <laughs> mad at me. I, I thought about it, though. I really did. The guy's in the ring of honor uh, for Cleveland, but I went with Jim Houston on the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, th those those are pretty good picks. I mean, I don't I don't see how you could go wrong with those. Uh, I mean, the Browns have got a lot of great players. Again, you know, I, Joe Thomas is my guy. Now, if you bring Joe Thomas back today, um, you better put him at tight end because uh, he's lost about 100 pounds. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, speaking of tight ends, again, I you know, I think Ozzie Newsom is a guy that could I would like – to see play in today's game uh, just because just to see with the way that positions evolved just as great as he was when he played just to see him in this offense because it's so hard to compare offensive players now to ones of years past just because of the changes in the offense and, and if you just look at the rules alone 
they're player friendly these days. And, you know, that that's pretty much, you know, that's that's it makes it easier to play on the offensive side of the ball. So I think his stats would just be through the roof if he got to play in today's game. Uh, and on the defensive side, who cares? It's Cleveland. They're going to be out in the first round. So they're, they're gonna, they suck anyways. And then their coach can't even be there because apparently he has corona. Like there's not, you know, 60 empty suites at Heinz Field that he could sit in and coach the game from there. <laughs> no, no Joe Pa treatment. Can't put him up in the uh, up in the. Uh... Don't don't get me started on him. <laughs> All right, Cody. Who do you think for Cleveland? Oh, but Nick Saban has you know taught us is you can never have too many running backs. <laughs> so you have uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Jim Brown all pounding the rock together. That's gonna wear a defense out, I think, pretty quickly. Uh, so that I. I I just can't not say Jim Brown in this this spot. The guy was one of the early stars of this game. The game would not be where it is today without a personality like him, too. What Muhammad Ali was doing for boxing and athletics, uh, Jim Brown was doing in football at the same time, really kind of bringing that sort of charisma and that energy to the game and really putting faces to guys who had, you know, uh, helmets on and, you know, made it more popular and just a bad, bad guy. I mean, this was a guy who was running over the top of people in 12 game seasons, your first major power rusher. And it'd be like Justin said, it'd be interesting to see how he translate today because in some ways you could argue it'd be a fairer playing field. You know, one of the Browns successes Absolutely. of course, was defenses weren't nearly as big and fast as they are today. So that would have definitely been interesting, but yeah, he'd still fare well because he was just a tough guy and that toughness translates too. Uh, and on defense, you know, Houston, that's a good pick. Cleveland, that organization has just been snake bitten. They've drafted some great defensive players from the original team back in the, uh, you know, from like the 50s to the 90s. But those guys die, you know, tragically, usually, you know, have very short lives. So it's really, I think in a lot of ways, it's hard to name a key defensive guy, for me at least, that was, you know, born and bred in that organization. So, uh, I'm sure there's some Cleveland sports fans that are looking at us like we're just ignorant to their franchise. And I'll be like, I agree. And I don't think that we're ignorant to their franchise. Their franchise has just been terrible. So you their can't franchise really sucks. Yeah. You could bring back the <laughs> Brown family, run things, and get rid of that other family. I'm sure I'm getting some points with the UT people right now with that statement. Yeah, there's a consensus between Tennessee fans and Browns fans. Anything the Haslam family gets involved with as far as a football team just turns to absolute you know what, but we're, we're, we can we can do a show next week about Tennessee and their other failures because I'm pretty sure come Monday or Tuesday, there's, and maybe even sometime later Saturday or Sunday, it's going to be a pretty good news dump for Tennessee. They'll try to get it out hopefully before that national time <laughs> on Monday because uh, they are just in disarray out in uh, East Tennessee right now. Uh, do you want me to bring in Tennessee fans with you, Justin, or do you think I'd have to work on using the mute button? I mean, you, you can bring them in. I mean, but there's nothing they can say to defend their team right now. Uh, I mean, they're, they're so they're just so incompetent. They they've got caught doing something that every team in the country does, and they've gotten caught. And the key is they didn't even get the guy. He went somewhere else to school. So it's like, how stupid do you have to be? It's like you know, you have to have a certain level of intelligence and suave. Uh, to do stuff like that, just like, again, every other team does. If you think guys aren't getting pl- paid to play college football, you're crazy. It is it is a billion-dollar industry. Guys are getting paid to play, 
Okay. And if you can't figure out a way to do it and not get caught, uh, then uh, you probably just shouldn't play football. So let's go. Obviously, ahead. obviously <laughs> people haven't figured out how to play people yet because they still suck. Let's go ahead and move on to our final seeds here. Our seven seeds will go Bears and Colts here. For the Bears, it's easy to say you'd bring back a guy like the Fridge. Uh, you'd bring back Mike Singletary. That'd be what – and I feel like you can move William Refrigerator Perry to that offense and, and say let's put him at offense too because you know you could play uh, – he'd play both ways in the game anyway. So the Fridge and Mike Singletary is who I went with just because those uh, – those Bears back in the 80s were dangerous. Uh, I don't say Jim McMahon because I don't think Jim McMahon was ever a good quarterback. I think he just had the luxury of being on a team that had an amazing defense that won them games. Again, uh, I feel the sentiment that Justin felt about the Ravens and Cody felt about the Seahawks. The Bears suck anyway, so it doesn't really matter what they do or who they bring back. They would, they're going to get bounced in this first round anyway. Uh yeah, I mean, I don't. I think Brian Urlacher's a guy that you have to bring back. Uh, unfortunately, we can't bring him back because cancel culture has come for him, uh, so he no longer exists on the face of our planet. Uh, but I say, obviously, you have to bring back him. Just, just great leadership to the football team uh, and what he was able to do on the field and in the locker room. Uh, and then for the offensive side of the ball, this is a no-brainer. Okay, Jay Cutler. You have to bring him back. You have to bring him back. Um, you know, you bring him back, they're favorites to win that game. There's no doubt. Uh, you know, so I, I think I, I, you speak – you, you, we talk about guys who played back in the day that plays now. Uh, you know, I think if you took Jay Cutler and put him back in time, I think he's still going to be great. Uh, you know, because then he could have walked off the field smoking a cigarette after he threw a pick, and you know it would have just blended right in with everybody else. So I think you bring back Cutler and Erlacher; it's a great. And if if they had that all season, there's no way the Packers are even in the playoffs. No, let's not lie to ourselves here. All right, <laughs> what do you what do you got, Cody, for the Bears? Gosh, I'm just Justin got me there. I thought he was going to say this name. Uh, I saved him for you, Cody. Uh, the Dave Montgomery, all respect to him. And as he's had a great down season, I don't see how you don't go with sweetness with the Walter Payton. You know, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, just, you know, and a great team leader, too. Uh, the guy here, – here's a fun fact for you. That 85 Bears team, that defense was fantastic. We all know that. That was, you know, that made Ditka, you know, really go from this great NFL player to this great NFL coach. Walter Payton didn't score a touchdown in that game. Hall of Famer, had the record until Emmett Smith broke it. And Walter Payton was a little hurt by that, but he didn't let that spoil the rest of the team. The Fridge scored a touchdown in that 85 Super Bowl, but Walter Payton didn't. But the team was more important than Walter Payton. And uh, that, that's saying a lot. Because how many guys today that had the talent, the moxie, the stardom like Walter Payton had back then today – would not be going on Twitter or Instagram right afterwards saying, I can't believe they didn't let me score. That would be the today's sentiment and mentality. And I think, you know, that, that sort of uh, team aspect. And even though you yeah, maybe a little bit bitter on the inside, but you suck it up and you, you put it back because, you know, it's a team sport and it's the ultimate team sport. So I got to go with Walter Payton on that one. And on defense, uh, obviously that 85 team, you'd want every one of those guys, Singletary, McMichaels, I mean, all those guys were so awesome. But I kind of agree with Justin. If you can only get one guy on defense that can really make 
an impact right now in this run, it'd be Brian Urlacher. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't really care who the Bears bring back. They can they can sit there and go home this weekend. Um, let's go ahead and talk about – We still have something in common with the Packers. Uh, well, the Packers are home this weekend, correct? Thank I know, you. I know, that's uh, right. And they'll get, they'll get 5,000 fans next week. <laughs> Shucky Dern. Wow. Yeah. I hope they all wear masks and have been vaccinated. You know, I mean, you just, you have how many owners of Green Bay and only 5,000 of them can come? That's ridiculous. Yeah, um, tough. What are we doing here? I think the owners need a revolt. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead. Our final team here, the Colts, obviously a no-brainer. You bring back Peyton Manning. I mean, now here's the thing. Now let's let's pause for a second. Peyton Manning has won two Super Bowls. Philip Rivers, zero. Peyton Manning only has two kids, though. Rivers nine. That's the stat we want to talk about here. So when you look at that, Rivers, sure choice, but uh, you well, bring between back the, Peyton between the two, they could field a team. That is <laughs> bring bring <laughs> over Eli's kids, and we don't know what we might have, guys. We could we could win a lot here. Tom Brady's kids come play. That's going to be a fun thing. I think uh, Rivers' oldest kid will probably be at least uh, seven seasons in before Brady or Manning's kids will be in there, but uh, or his youngest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead. I, I picked Peyton Manning. I picked Dwight Freeney for my two Colts players. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you can't go any other way. I mean, Dwight Freeney, the impact that he had on the defensive side of the ball, um, you have to go with him. I mean, they, they need a little bit of help. You pair him up with DeForest Bugner, and it is a long day for Josh Allen. Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, you can bring back Peyton Manning, Edron James. It really doesn't matter. Colts suck. They're going home. <laughs> Cody, what do you think here? You know, Peyton, sure. You know, Peyton would be a big impact player, but let's, let's not forget about guys like Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne that could you know, go in there and give Phil Rivers some pretty good targets, or even Dallas Clark. You know, those guys right now, if you put them in there, uh, really bolsters Philip Rivers and you know, helps him out in the playoff run right now. Uh, and then on defense, um, you know, Bob Sanders, obviously, you know, you know fairly safety out there but uh i, I gotta go with white bernie too i mean that guy pass rush is so key and he was one of the better ones to ever do it yeah i agree with you i had an honorable mention does anybody want to guess what my honorable mention was jim harbaugh <laughs> wasn't jimmy h uh it was actually pat mcafee man yeah but you, you could do that entertainment value i mean here's, jim here's, jim harbaugh did just get an extension so ohio state fans just pretty much want to they, they want a national title just in that alone Let's, we got to remember this though, Pat McAfee. When we talk about guys that could probably still do it, Pat Mac, Pat McAfee, hands down. The guy's been a, uh, and I know Justin, you're not a big wrestling guy, but Pat McAfee's been in the ring multiple times. Uh, in 2020, he was wrestling and and in probably the best shape. Uh, just to do, do they that. do they test for recreational drugs in wrestling? <laughs> I, don't, I think with Pat McAfee, they did not. Probably made an exception on that one. Yeah. I don't think he could get past the drug screen in the NFL these days. Yeah, probably not. Let's go ahead, guys. Uh, we, we finished what, that what? little segment here. Are we going to um, make him some money right now, Ethan? Who, Pat McAfee? No, the the listeners. We're going to make him some money right now. Yeah, we're going to move into our pickums. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Justin's got a uh, Justin's over here. Uh, he's our uh, Las Vegas Justin at this point. Um, he's going to give you guys some uh, some money tips here for pickums. Uh, I'm just going to do who I think is going to win the game, just because I'm not a, a gambling man. Um, but uh, Ethan, Ethan's not a degenerate. 
<laughs> I just, I, I, I'm not really good at, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'll say this out now. And, and just, I've talked about this before. I'm just not really good at like following lines and, and things like that. Um, I like the one thing that I do like is that they're the prop bets, things like that, that people can do. I didn't realize that that was like a, you know, like something that people were doing. And I feel like those would probably be better uh, for someone, you know, to do if they're getting into it, maybe. Um, and they want to just see what it's like. I think some of those prop bets, because I mean, some of those games, I mean, it's like, well, Derrick Henry run for 54 yards. Well, yeah, he ran for 2000 this season. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of like one of those no brainer things. So, um, but let's go ahead and jump into it, guys. Today's the first day of the super wildcard weekend. Uh, the first game on task force here is the number seven seed. Indianapolis Colts will be on the road at Buffalo taking on the bills. Uh, Justin, I'll start with you here. Are you taking the bills? You taking the Colts? What's the line looking like? Uh, so right now looking at the over under, uh, you're, you're talking about 51 points. Uh, you got to go with the over the way that Stefan Diggs has been flossing his teeth on the sidelines and Josh Allen has been throwing the ball. Uh, get ready. Colts defense sucks. The, the bills could put up 51 by themselves. Um, I don't see this game being close. I think Buffalo covers. I think the over hits uh, and the Colts go home. And I think Phillip Rivers is in a booth somewhere next year calling games. Uh, I agree with you there. I'm taking, uh, I'm taking Buffalo in this game. Um, I think that uh, with, with everything, I know that there's been, you know, Darius Leonard and, and divorce Buckner were these all pro players and everything like that. I just don't see um, them being able to stop Josh Allen. And then not to mention Josh Allen, he cut his teeth last year in a really good game against Houston in the playoffs. He has that playoff experience now. I, I like Josh Allen in this game. I like Stephon Diggs on that offense. I just It's hard to pick against Buffalo right now, knowing that Indianapolis is going to have to play outside in New York against the Bills. Well, and Andrew Cuomo's not going to be there, and that's a win for America right there, guys. That's a win for America. Justin's going to get his canceled. Cody, what do you think here? Uh, you taking Buffalo, you taking Indianapolis here. Yeah, I go with the Bills Mafia. Uh, regardless, those folks up there are going to have a great time. They they don't care. They put people through tables when they're going 0 and 16. So, uh, uh, just as the aforementioned reasons you guys have mentioned, uh, kind of redundant phrase there. Sorry, fans. But um, you're out there outside the stadium. I think that this is just their year. Uh, I think if anybody is more cognizant of what happened 21 years ago than Justin, it's the entire city of Buffalo, New York. That's true. I agree with that. Let's move on, guys. Rams at Seahawks. I think this is going to be the lowest scoring game on this first day, at least looking at uh, the the three matchups we're seeing, and, and it might be the lowest scoring out of the six matchups we see this weekend. Seahawks really haven't been impressive these last few weeks. The Rams have not been impressive. Um, save Kurt Warner comes out for the Rams. This game is not going to be a shootout by any means. Uh, I, I if the Seahawks can get going with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockhart, excuse me, with uh, with guys like that that they have um at receiver maybe they get some points on the board we might see some offense but right now unless these defenses really score for them uh, this might be a 7-6 final dk metcalf up against jalen ramsey this year and their two previous matchups um you're looking or previous matchups excuse me you're looking at nine targets six receptions 60 yards it's not happening today guys uh if you want to make some money get your money on the under 42 and a half is the line there we're not coming anywhere close to that, guys. So bet the under. I know in the NFL right now, 
And in college football, it's very popular to take the over, uh, but lines have adjusted throughout the year. 42 and a half is way too many points. Uh, take the Rams to win and take the under to hit. Cody, what do you have here, Rams or Seahawks? Uh, I, I got to go with whoever has the better quarterback in this instance, and that's mm. definitely Russell Wilson. I mean, that's really the safe pick uh, just because, you know, I feel like that if you more than likely, if you have the, the stronger quarterback, that team is going to win just the way our league is nowadays. So uh, I'll go with the Seahawks as much as I hate to say that. See, because of their uh, ideology out there on the West Coast, uh, Seattle's best player, their 12th man's not going to be there. Not even going to be close. Russell Wilson's going to struggle today. I think so, too, but I think they'll sneak out a victory. I, I think Seattle gets that win against the Rams. And Rams just don't have anybody that can throw the ball in, besides the insurance salesman at this point. So, All right, um, gamblers. Fade Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead. Uh, let's move in here. We have, hey, Tampa Tom. He's out there playing uh, playing good football in his 43rd year of life. Is it 43 years now that he's been alive? What is he? 40, 43 years, uh, the oldest average age for quarterbacks right now. Average age is 37. Uh, so this is the oldest group of quarterbacks to ever play playoff games in the NFL, uh, led by Brady at 43. He's the, literally he's an outlier on a scale of uh, if you look at you know those old math scales we had to do where you had to put all the numbers to figure out averages. Brady's all the way on the far right. Poor Tom, but. Not poor Tom because he threw 40 touchdowns this season. He and Gronk also have the chance to become uh, one of the, I think right now they're sitting at 11 touchdowns together. If they throw one more in the playoffs, uh, Gronk and Brady moved to tied number one in playoff appearances with Joe Montana and Jerry Rice with 12 total reception touchdown receptions between quarterback and receiver. If Gronk catches uh, 12 as well in this game, He's sole number two behind Jerry Rice for most touchdown receptions in playoff history. This Washington team is not great by any means. Uh, they've had a great story behind them with Alex Smith and Ron Rivera this year. Um, those guys have been uh, just things that you could really hang your hat on to be like, okay, even though everything that's going on in 2020, these guys are phenomenal players, are, are, are phenomenal stories to have. Alex Smith, we didn't even know if he would live. He ended up winning a football game. Uh, Ron Rivera getting IVs at halftime. But I think the Cinderella story strikes midnight tonight for Tampa or for uh, Washington. Uh, Tom Brady in the playoffs is hard to beat. Um, I mean, granted, unless you're the Titans last year, but uh, you know, Tom Brady with Gronk and the weapons he has, and that defense is still at times can show some signs of life. Um, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay in this one. Yeah, I think it's a, a no-brainer here. Uh, again, it, it's done for the Washington football team, uh, for all you pearl clutchers out there. Um, I, I'm the let's look, let's see here. Uh, over under is forty-five and a half. Stay away from it. Don't bet the over, or the, if anything, take the under. But be cautious because. Brady gets hot. He could put up 42 by himself. Uh, so be be careful. I wouldn't even bet the over-under for this game right here. Uh, I got them earlier this week at seven and a half for the Bucs. Uh, but with that defense that Washington has right now, be careful with that. It's all the way out to 10. A lot of professional and Joe money coming in on, uh, on the Bucs to win. So it's stretched all the way out to 10. Be careful with that 10 in this game. Although I think it may hit, uh, like I said, I got them at seven and a half. If you can still get them at nine and a half or 10 today, I say you take it. Uh, 
but just be careful with that over under because we have no idea which way it could go. Because uh, who knows if Washington could even put up any points today? Cody, what do you think here? You taking uh, Tampa, Tom? Oh, before Chase Young started you know, running his mouth, I was kind of high on Washington. I thought they, they got the momentum going into that game. Uh, Alex Smith, five and two as a starter. I don't think you can look at the Redskins in terms of being seven and nine in the playoffs. I think you really have to look at them as being five and two with Alex Smith going into the playoffs. But you, you just don't call out Tom Brady like that. Not when Tom Brady's out there doing Tom Brady things like he is. Honestly, with the ability for Brady to be in the same breath as his you know favorite player, his uh, his mentor growing up and just getting one more pass than the end zone to Gronk, he's got, that's going to energize him even more. I mean, I think that's what Brady's always wanted to be, is be like the next year of Montana. And he very well could be right there in the records and possibly surpass him by the time this is all over. So I got to go with uh, Tom Terrific down there. All right, guys, let's go ahead and move into Sunday. Ravens at Titans will kick us off tomorrow. Um, Justin, I know you're going to take the Titans here. Tell us a little bit about the line um, that you're looking at. Uh, so Titans, Titans, Ravens. Okay, let me just go and let you know. Titans are going to win. No questions asked. Uh, Titans defense is going to find a way to make it happen. Now, I will say the over in this game uh, is 54 points. Uh, so take the over. A lot of points are going to be scored in this game. Uh, the Ravens have an okay defense. The Titans defense is awful. Both teams are going to put up a lot of points. It wouldn't surprise me if the last team that has the, the most possessions in the fourth quarter wins the game uh, or the Titans play keep away with Derrick Henry. One of those two outcomes for this game, uh, you're looking at three and a half points. Uh, I think if you had more fans in, I think that's a push. Uh, but at the same time, I think the Titans are going to win, uh, but take the over in this game. Cody, what do you think? Titans, Ravens, Derrick Henry going to keep running all over him? Oh, man, they're going to have to. Uh, Derrick Henry, as long as he can keep that ball and they can keep it away from Lamar Jackson, that's what's going to be – like Justin said, that's the difference in this game. I I would say that I think Tannehill's playing better football at quarterback than really very – most of the league, with the exception of maybe Aaron Rodgers. Better than Patrick Mahomes. I I was – so I think that's helping him out too, is the fact that Tannehill's definitely sharpened on his A game because the defense is not going to do him any favors – uh, great, I will say this, Deshaun Watson is one of the better quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the league. So, you know, like J.J. Watt told him last week, we let you down this year. We wasted one of your years. I think that was very honest because, in a lot of ways, Houston has let Deshaun Watson down a lot. Uh, just see DeAndre Hopkins going to the desert. But uh, I think that Justin hit the nail on the head. If Derrick Henry, can, if they can keep the ball – and they can have whoever has the longest time possession is going to win this ball game. Hopefully, this well, just doesn't hey, come down Cody, to a slum and bank shot. Cody, don't worry too much about while well, our kickers are back, Ethan. Punter and kickers back. We're in good shape there. Uh, just remember, Cody, Houston could get their pick back from Miami. Just saying. Still out there. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, I'm going to take the Titans as well. I just don't think that this is where the Titans see their season come to an end. I think that they can beat the Ravens. Uh, I think that a lot of people had put. Lamar Jackson on such a pedestal last season, um, but everybody's figured him out at this point. Um, I, I think that that's been a, a big thing um, for teams just finally getting a chance to kind of figure out Lamar Jackson. Uh, I don't think the Titans will lose this game. I do think it's going to be a, a very high scoring game 
and that Titans defense is going to have to make somebody make a mistake at some point to really uh, push that uh, in their favor. Let's go ahead and move on. Bears at Saints. A lot of people think the Bears can upset the Saints just because of recent years uh, in, the, in the Saints organization when it comes to playoffs and just kind of getting screwed. But all three of us right now just don't believe that. I see you guys shaking your heads no. Drew Brees is a man on a mission this year. Um, and, and if you think about it, yeah, he, he was injured and he missed a lot of time. But if you think about that as well, he's also had a lot of time to rest. He didn't have as many regular season games to bog him down this year. And when he came back from injury, Drew Brees looked like Drew Brees. Uh, and he was out there just finding ways to win games. Um, the Bears are not good. Mitchell Trubisky's not good uh, unless they play Nick Foles and he has another historic run in the playoffs, which even then um, I, I, I just don't see it happening. I think last week, uh, Allen Robinson, don't get me wrong, had a great season last week. Green Bay exposed him. Uh, they put Jair Alexander on him and he shut him down. Um, they put Kevin King on him. He had one catch against Kevin King. Um, so I just don't think the bears are as good as, as the bears might somehow think that they snuck into the playoffs and are good. They're not. Um, this is a Saints game where I feel the Saints could win this game by at least two scores. Speaking of two scores, it's out to 10. Uh, so I, I say you take that 10. I think it's a little high uh, because, again, you get some momentum plays on defense, and it may not. That is a very high. Uh, but I think you take the 10 points right now and hope Drew Brees just goes out there and just balls out. Uh, but, you know, you're looking, I think, the over-under 47 and a half. That I say you take the over and just see. I think with that Saints offense, they might can again put up 40 something points by themselves, and you get seven or 10 points out of the Bears and you're there. Um, so I, I say you take the 10 and take the over in this game, but be careful with that 10 if you're a little nervous. Just just hit on the over uh, and don't worry about the points. Cody, what do you think here? You got you got the Bears with the upset over the Saints. I mean, if you guys couldn't tell, Ethan's very. <laughs> Very anti-Chicago. Obviously, I think if you didn't, he's well, not hiding, tell you the that. Ball, hiding the ball on that. I, I think e the Ethan's as biased as Nancy Pelosi. All right. <laughs> what, what does that even mean? I just don't like Chicago. There's a lot of people who enjoy yeah, that. She, does, with me. she she doesn't like all of America. So there we go. I think, but I love America. I just don't like Chicago. So do I. The, the Bears. To be, to be more. To be fair. Uh, Chicago is a, a few steps away from being you know, there, but they're not quite there yet. They benefited from a very weak NFC. I, I really do. I think you know, Chicago gets a quarterback. If they can finally yeah. get that franchise quarterback, they honestly haven't had for you know, at, since they've been around. Uh, they, they could be in that, that talks. I mean, honestly, Jay Cutler probably is – the best quarterback in the history of the organization. You know, if you just just take a really honest assessment, and um, it, it, I can't pick against Drew Brees and Sean Payton at home, uh, absent like we mentioned, just some fluke calls that have seemed to befall the New Orleans organization in the past several years. So uh, I gotta go with the Saints in this one. I just don't understand how close the Bears are when they went eight and eight this year and. The Vikings had a down season. Uh, they, I still think I still think the Bears are the third best way. team they, in the division. They could have had Deshaun Watson if they would have drafted. They could have had Patrick them. Mahomes. Or exactly, I mean, they're they're some bad decision making from that area. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, and ultimately, my 49ers benefited greatly from that decision making uh, by trading up to the, you know, the draft. Mitch Trubisky. 
speaking of needing a quarterback. Yeah. So. Speaking of a team I, that's I, almost there. I'm looking yeah. uh, I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers and that scarlet and gold next year. Ooh, I'm looking forward to the 12 jersey. Yeah, he'll def he'll definitely still be wearing green and yellow at 12 next season after they win this Super Bowl this year. All right, guys, Browns at Steelers will be the uh the final game. It's going to be our primetime game on Sunday night. Um I I've had feelings that the Browns could win this game. Um but I also feel that, you know, obviously last week when they played each other, you lost a big factor in that game, which was Ben Roethlisberger not being in. Um, I, I don't think that the Steelers will let the Browns beat them two weeks in a row. That just doesn't seem like a Mike Tomlin thing. Uh, so in that sense, I'm having to take the Steelers in this game. Yeah, I mean, th- this one's almost a, a toss-up between the two. You can almost flip a coin. Uh, right now, the over under 47 and a half. Uh, I'm going to take the over in this game. I think you're going to see both offenses put up some – some really good numbers. Uh, it's only five and a half point spread though. So, uh, you know, they're, it's going to be a close game. I mean, between these two teams, it's always close. It's always ugly. Uh, if the Browns can force the Steelers to do what they're not good at, and that is have been Roethlisberger throw the ball 50 times, uh, 40 times, they win the game um, with their head coach or not. Uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, they've prepared. This is the NFL. We're talking about professionals. Uh, you know, maybe in college you see a big point swing when you go from a, a head coach to an assistant. NFL, you're not going to see that. These guys are pros. They're really good at what they do. Uh, and, and you're going to see a really, really good game. Uh, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Browns to win. Uh, you know, if you don't want to take them to win, I would at least take them to cover. These are teams that play within three points of each other. Uh, so take the over, take the Browns with the points. Uh, and if you're, if you're feeling lucky, take them to win. Cody, what do you think? Baker Mayfield gets the, uh, his first playoff win. I'm feeling lucky. I, uh, I, I, I honestly, I've, I've been low on Baker. I've, I've been one of those guys that have just, you know, really sold him short since uh really since he started playing football and he just has a tendency to prove people wrong and this is the ultimate stage to finally tell everybody i'm here i'm not going anywhere and uh so i think that this game means a lot to him and certainly for cleveland it's a it's a huge game if they could beat you know get over that hump and beat pittsburgh and really kind of go on the route of you know claiming stakes that division that's going to be huge for that franchise in the seasons or for the years to come so I, I say go ahead if you're looking for an upset this weekend. That's that's as close as you're going to get. All right, guys, let's uh, finish this off. It's the three greatest days in uh, in football because we have two straight days of wild card action, and then we end up on Monday with the national championship in college football. Alabama, Ohio State. You can't write it any different. Uh, Nick Saban has been just last year was uh, was the one year LSU had a really good season. Alabama kept out of the playoffs, but uh, this is just an Alabama team that looks great. Um, they've, they've been able to just make things happen. Mac Jones looks great. Um, Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, the Offensive Player of the Year, the Maxwell Award winner. Um, and, and along with that, they had Najee Harris, who's the Doak Walker winner. Uh, Mac Jones, he won Davey O'Brien. Um, there's just a lot going for this Alabama team. On the flip side of that, Ohio State kind of coming in with a chip on their shoulder. Maybe they just use that against Dabo. 
because Dabo Sweeney had said they didn't deserve to be in the top 10. Uh, Nick Saban's not going to talk trash like that. We know that. That's just not who Nick Saban is. Uh, he wants to come out and just win another national championship. Is this Alabama's year, or does Ohio State finally get a chance to beat up on Alabama? Uh, Justin, we'll start with you. First off, kudos to Ohio State for playing football uh, this fall. Uh, it was an uphill battle all the way for them, uh, just where they're at geographically. Uh, I don't like Ohio State. I don't like their fans. Uh, but I am glad they got to play football this year because uh, those kids, you know, they, they put in the time that was needed, and then all of a sudden their season was snatched out from underneath them. Uh, so hats off to them for being able to play uh, this year, even though they only played five or six games. Uh, you know, shout out to the SEC for what they were able to do and play a full season. Uh, so, you know, the Corona bros all over the place are clutching their pearls. I, I think we need about uh, 20 players to die in the national title game on Monday to meet the media reports of how many college football players would die this season uh, if we played. Uh, so only 20 deaths, not a huge deal. Uh, so we'll see if we get there. Um, if you're betting on that one, I would take the under. You're going to have to get that offshore. Uh, not going to find that on Fox Better FanDuel. Uh, you're looking at 75 and a half for uh, the <laughs> combined point totals for the teams. Uh, I don't see how you don't take the over. Both these teams are going to score on just about every possession. Uh, again, it's one of those games to where the last one with the ball uh, is probably going to win the game. Uh, really good football team. Uh, I think Nick Saban takes it here, though. Uh, you're looking at a spread of about eight. So they're a little more, Alabama, a little bit more in the touchdown favorite uh, going into this game. So I think they win. Uh, I think they win easily. Uh, and uh, I think Nick Saban claims another national title, uh, but we'll give an E for effort. I think Fields made himself quite a bit of money a week ago. Cody, what do you think? Bama, Ohio State? Uh, Alabama. I mean, what they've done this year uh, is nothing short of, you know, really they can claim they're one of the best college football teams ever. I mean, they essentially played in a conference that produces more NFL talent, more NFL players, than any other conference in the last, you know, decade, two decades even, and they swept it when they ran right through it. So and I, I've, I've given Alabama a hard time. You know, I've been one of those guys critical of them with some of their non-conference scheduling in the last several years. But this year, I think they put doubts aside. I mean, that's – what they did was tough. And Ohio State, is as good as it was to, you know, make – you know, see Big Ten football out there – you know, they didn't nearly have that that level of competition nor the the moxie to get through that. So I, I just don't know if Ohio State is really prepared for what they're about to face Monday. And that's you know ultimately possible. You could argue the greatest college football team of all time. Yeah, I got I forgot to mention that Dickerson also won the Remington Award. We got to give some love to offensive linemen out there. Uh, he, he's one. He's one of the best guys I've seen play in the interior line in recent years in college football. He is nasty. It's a shame he's not going to be playing because of health issues. He is going to be a great center in the NFL. <laughs> that guy plays with an edge, unlike any other. He, he is a special, special talent to a position that normally doesn't get a lot of attention. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take Alabama as well, though, guys, and just kind of wrap that out. Make that. Uh, a, a group group effort here that we all take Alabama guys. It's been fun getting a chance to get back and talk sports with you a little bit and, and just do it in a different way. Not just focusing on what's the now, but also what's the past and what has made sports uh, great throughout all these years that we've been alive and before we were even alive. So um, great to get a chance to talk about just kind of our, our, our past experiences with, with watching sports. And then of course, um, what we've got. But uh, next week, we're going to try and get this show recorded on Thursday night. 
so we can put it up Friday morning for you, give you a good push into the weekend. Of course, we'll have the divisional rounds as well in the NFL to talk about, uh, so we'll have a little bit more with you. Um, and who knows what concept I'm going to come up with next week. You never know what I'm going to talk about. So um, for this weekend, for this episode of Talking Schmidt, Season 2, for Justin Kleinert and Cody Schmidt, I'm Ethan Schmidt. This has been Talking Schmidt. We hope that you guys join us again next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching the little clip that might have been on Facebook or wherever I put it. So thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next week.